Vineyard Westside welcomes everyone. It doesn't matter where you've been or what you've done. Come as you are, because we believe that love wins, period. Today I want to talk about when you feel like giving up. When you feel like giving up. I want to talk to the people today who feel like quitting something, uh, throwing in the towel. Um, I know about 46 of you who are going to say, oh, he gave that message because of me, because of stuff we've talked about recently. That you might feel like giving up on your marriage right now. You might feel like giving up on your dream that you've had. You might feel like giving up on your job. Some of you feel like giving up on ministry. Uh, you might volunteer somewhere. Some of you are in the room who are on staff in some way, shape, or form at this church, and you might feel like giving up on the ministry that you do. You might feel like giving up on your kids because they drive you freaking bonkers. You might feel like giving up on being sober, that I don't know how much longer I can hang on. You might feel like giving up on your salvation. You might feel like giving up on your life right now, just throwing in the towel that you've tried, you've prayed, you've believed, you are to that point where you feel like you don't have anything left and you're sick of it and you, you just want to quit. And so we're going to talk about when you feel like giving up. In Hebrews chapter 10, it says this, so do not throw away your confidence because it'll be richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For, and this, I underlined this, this little line right here for in just a little while in just a little while he who is coming will come and he will not delay you need to persevere so that when you've done the will of God you will receive what he has promised because in just a little while in just a little while he who is coming will come and will not delay just a little while the thing I've learned about God is that he's rarely early. He's rarely early. He's never late, though. I have seen him arrive early, where we weren't quite ready for him, where we weren't expecting him to do the thing that he did. But I've never known him to be late. His timing just always seems to be exactly where it needs to be. And so when you feel like giving up, there's some good news for any of those of you in the room who, uh, like, there's a part of you still that knows that God has more for you. The good news is he does. For those of you who are tired of settling for less, and you're like, well, well I, I'm kind of at the edge here and feel like giving up because I'm, I'm just, I keep settling for less. Good. You should be tired of settling for less. Because there's more out there for you. 
I read through a portion of a, a book recently uh, that was called Why Do Successful People Succeed? Why Do Successful People Succeed? And it was written by a woman named Angela Duckworth, who is really just a genius. Uh, she studied at Harvard and Oxford, and she has devoted her life to this question of why do successful people succeed? Like, what is different about them than people who don't succeed or people who, you know, basically people who give up? What is the big difference on people who are successful and people who are not? And so throughout uh, many different parts of the book, it looks at like the West Point Mili Military Academy and um, trying to identify, okay, in the, in the class of cadets, who's going to be the first one to quit and who's going to be the last one who would ever drop out no matter how hard things got, studying the difference between those kind of people. Uh, teachers who are in the toughest school districts in the country, which ones will barely last one semester if that, and which ones will not just survive it, but end up thriving in that school district? What, what's the difference between those people? There were all sorts of different examples, but the thing that she found was that it, it had nothing to do with anyone's IQ, their intelligent, intelligence quotient, nothing to do with their IQ, and it had everything to do with what she called their AQ, their adversity quotient, how much adversity they were able to handle, how much um, perseverance they had, and what she talked a lot about was basically their grit. Do you know what grit is? Like, not sandpaper, not that grit. But grit, in her definition, was passion and perseverance for long-term goals. The passion and perseverance that you could have for a long-term goal and keep at it when it felt like it wasn't going to happen, but you kept at That's when you have grit. Not just perseverance about, you know, little stuff like, will I be able to make it through this semester of third grade? <laughs> but, like, what about, what about the grit that is required for those of you who are raising a child with special needs? And the stuff that people don't know about, that you have to deal with on a daily basis. And the fighting of wanting to just give up. What about the grit of, I know some of you in this room who are serving Jesus and you have a chronic illness. I know people who don't show up sometimes for weeks at a time because they're almost dying because this chronic illness that they have has kept them not just from church, but from the store, from seeing friends and family, from all sorts of different things that just showing up requires such amount, an amount of, of grit when it would just be way easier to walk away. 
Like things that certain people don't think about. Of Well, yeah, you're, you're asking people to volunteer for something, but do you understand that I have, like, I have fibromyalgia. I have endometriosis. I have cancer. I have this or that. The grit that is required. Today we're talking about what to do when you feel like giving up. And I want to share a story that is from the Old Testament that is a classic story. Maybe you learned it in Sunday school if you grew up doing that kind of thing. But this is the story of Jericho that has been promised to the Israelite people from God that he said, you are going to be given this place, this city, Jericho, and it's going to be, you know, the first of many things that are going to fall into place for you. But I'm promising this city for you, and it's a promise that was given to the Israelite people, but it was a promise that hadn't taken hold yet. Like God said, it's yours, but they're like, it, it is? I don't have the keys yet. Like, it doesn't feel like it's mine yet um, for a lot of different reasons. In Joshua chapter 6, it says this, Now the gates of Jericho, actually, I think, do we have that? Well, we can't do photo at the same time. We'll go to photo after scripture. It says, Now the gates of Jericho were tightly shut because the people were afraid of the Israelites. No one was allowed to go out or in. But the Lord said to Joshua, I have given you Jericho and its king and its strong warriors. Now you and your fighting men should march around the town once a day for six days. Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark. The Israelites are carrying with them what's known as the Ark of the Covenant. And this is a, um, it, it was this, this, this huge thing that was a representation of uh, the promises of God and all, all sorts of different things. But anyways, seven priests will walk ahead of the Ark, each carrying a ram's horn. Have you ever seen them blow on, it's a shofar. You like that one? Seven priests will walk ahead of the ark, each carrying a ram's horn. On the seventh day, you were to march around the town seven times with the priests blowing the horns. When you hear the priests give one long blast on the ram's horns, have all the people shout as loudly as they can. Then the walls come tumbling down. Some, wait. The walls of the town will collapse, and the people can charge straight into the town. Can we show that picture of Jericho? We have this. This is a, a recreation photo of what the town of Jericho looked like. And so it's not, it's not a huge 
town. It's not even going to fit all of the Israelites. It's not supposed to be their place that they end up where it's going to be, uh, all of us fit here, and look, the stores are great. They just, they got a, they got a Chipotle now. Like, it's not that. It is a promise from God, and this is one of the first of many. Uh, and so when they're saying you need to march around the town. It's not a huge town. It's not that it was so big that was the problem. You could actually march around the, the, the city of Jericho in just about an hour. It would take you to get around the whole thing. The problem was not that it was so big. The problem were the walls. And you can see that there's two sets of them. They're trying to keep any intruders out. There's just not any way in. And so it's not an issue how big it is when they're told you need to march around the city uh, once a day for six days in a row. And then on the last one, seven times. Like, it, that's not really the issue. The issue is that the walls are too high. And so the Israelites are in this place where maybe you've been here before where you're so, so, so close to the promise uh, like, you can smell it, but you're just, all these walls, all, there's just something that is keeping you from it. There's something that is preventing you, and it feels unobtainable. It feels impossible. You might know the thing that you want, or the thing that you feel like God has promised you, or you might know where you want to be at a certain point, but all you can see are walls, or obstacles, or problems, or whatever that's keeping you from getting there. Maybe you are, you know, the, the goal, the Jericho is being debt-free. And as soon as you get close, the car breaks, the house breaks, the dog breaks, bones break. Like, you get robbed. You just one thing after another. We've been in this place so many times in our life where it's, it's like, oh my gosh, things are, and we're like looking around like, things are, things are going, things are going good. tree falls over. <laughs> Sewage happens. Maybe, uh, you know, your thing is, you just want to get your, you know, the, where do I want to be? I want to be where I, I get my family to church. Like, where we're here together. But something has gone wrong, and I am cussing like a sailor, because we're running late, and you spilled what on you, and you stepped in what? Oh my God, we don't even have a dog. <laughs> Maybe uh, your goal is to mend some kind of broken relationship, and you have all these good intentions, and you get together, and before you know, there's a shouting match at Applebee's, and security is called, and something goes wrong. So in version one of this story, one version to look at is that Jericho, the place that has been promised, is uh, securely barred up. No one gets in, no one gets out. Uh, but the other version of this story is that God says, I have already given you Jericho. 
I've already given you Jericho. And so some of the people hearing this are going to look at it and go, yeah, but it, like, it's, <laughs> the walls are really high. And there is no, like, there's no unlocked doors. We've checked. There's no fences. There's no, it's walls. There's no way in or out. Uh, and God says, but I, I've given you Jericho. I've already given you Jericho. See, God is uh, the only one in existence who's able to speak in the past tense before the present reality. He speaks in the past tense before the present reality even hits. He's the only one who talks like this. He's the only one who can tell you what is when what is isn't yet. He's the only one that can speak in this way, and he does it all the time. If you wonder about a certain area of your life, that the things that he says are different than what you see about that area of your life, I'm going to try to easily explain what's happening. It's that he's doing this thing where he speaks in the past tense before the present tense is happening. It's where... He's speaking in a way that the thing that um, is, isn't yet. And so maybe God says you are healed, but you feel like you're broken. And so maybe he says that he's blessed you and he's going to keep blessing you, but you feel like he's forgotten you. Maybe he says that you're an overcomer, but you feel overcome by everything right now that it's just too much and you don't know if you can handle anything more. And so why is he saying that I'm an overcomer? Why is he saying that I'm blessed beyond measure? Why is he saying that he, he healed me? Why is he saying that my marriage is going to be one that other people are jealous of? Why is he saying that my kids and I are going to have a relationship that just seems so impossible right now? It's because... He speaks in the past tense before your present reality is hitting. He's saying, I've already given you Jericho. The thing is, our perspective is limited. Why do we give up? We give up because our perspective is often limited. If you're a note taker, you want to write this one down. Why do we give up? Because our perspective is often limited. And so just like the Israelites marching around the city, and you got to imagine, if you're one of these Israelites who, hey, apparently all we got to do is, uh, you know, I know they're really, really tall walls, but all we have to do is march around the city. Oh, and also, you're going to hold those horns, but you will not toot them. I don't want to hear a peep. He said that we need to keep them quiet, but you need to hold them. March around the city, day one, do it again, day two. And so the Israelites are marching, and they don't know the end of the story yet. They don't know the end of the story yet. Maybe they didn't, they didn't go to Sunday school yet to hear this future tense story that the walls are going to fall. Joshua would have hated that song. <laughs> he would have hated that song. The song goes something like, Joshua fought battle Jericho. How does it go? 
Joshua, come on, let's go. You got it. I, I didn't go to Sunday school. I was a heathen until 19. Don't even know what this song is. I know of it. Joshua fought Battle of Jericho. The walls tumbling down something, right? I feel like Joshua would have hated that song because it feels a little too easy. It just feels a little too easy that it wasn't just like a seven-day hike that they were like, oh, we have learned the secret. Do, 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 do. And they're going around like it's a video game, like one of seven. Two of seven. Oh, I'm almost there. Unlocked an achievement. There was more than 40 years of wandering around in the wilderness like that led to this happening. Uh, it, it would be kind of like if we said, um, Joshua was addicted to drugs and prostitutes, but then he prayed and now he's fine. No, there's probably more to it than that. There's probably more to it than that. And so some of us will look on at other people and we'll look at somebody's success that they're having and we don't know the price that they've paid and we don't know the pain that they've endured and we can't imagine the private battles that they've they've gone through or the personal sacrifices that they've made or the therapy that they've done and we don't know and we look and go oh, yeah, everything works out for them it's like whenever somebody says like they, they were an overnight success like anyone who's an actor in Hollywood, like, oh, this guy, they just picked him out of a crowd. I doubt it. He, she, whoever it is, they worked and they worked and they worked and they went to a million auditions and they went to schools and they went to training classes on how to become a better actor. And, and people are like, oh, what the, why am I not famous on YouTube yet? What the heck? They just like, I wish I was lucky. I bet you they're not lucky at all. There's more to it. Our perspective is often limited from what we can see. The second reason why we give up, why we want to throw in the towel, is because our progress isn't always obvious. Our progress isn't always obvious. We give up because our perspective is limited, or we give up because our progress isn't always obvious. It says, but Joshua had commanded the army, do not give a war cry. Do not raise your voices. Do not say a word until the day I tell you to shout. Like, not just don't yell yet. Not just don't blow the horn yet. Listen to me, don't say a word for six days until the day I tell you to start screaming. And then I want you to shout. So he had the ark of the Lord carried around the city, circling it once. Then the army returned to the camp and spent the night there. army returns to the camp and spends the night there. On the second day, 
They marched around the city once, and they returned to the camp. They did this for six days. You got to imagine the frustration that would be going on if you were a part of this crew. Six days in a row, no talking. Whoop! Did I hear? Did I hear a little toot? Toot! Zip it! And for a lot of them, that it seemed pointless, that there had been decades of waiting, there had been decades of trusting God. Uh, these people had been trained for battle, they were ready for war. And all they did was go on a walk, and then they went back home, and they stayed quiet. And then the next day they got up and they went on another walk, and they stayed quiet. Back at camp, your wife texts you, hey, warrior, how's the battle going? Did you kill any bad guys yet? Oh, I'm just getting warmed up, loosening my muscles, getting my horn tooting together, cool, cool. Anyways, God gives them some encouragement each day. You're gonna, you know, in the video game, you're going around each lap. It's one of seven, two of seven. You got to have something. You got to have something to keep going, but they don't, have, they don't have a digital counter. They don't have this lap counter happening. Uh, a lot of us can handle any process as long as we see some kind of progress happening. You'll fight for your marriage if you see hope on the horizon. You will keep going when you see some, some kind of a thing <laughs> that you can go after. But the, these guys aren't seeing that same kind of progress. You can keep paying down debt if you see that number shrinking and it feels like the end is in sight. You can keep eating better when you start looking good all of a sudden. You're like, man, I just want to eat garbage. But then you see like yourself on the beach and you're like, ooh. And you get, you get kind of recalibrated. I want my wife to, she's going to, going to eat everything bagel dip hummus off of me. <laughs> Not in a weird way. <laughs> she's, not, she's up in children's ministry. <laughs> Sorry. Don't tell her I said that. Anyways, uh, the, these people don't see progress happening. Uh, Joshua just keeps telling them not to talk. Don't give a war cry. Don't raise your voices. Don't say a word. Um, why do you think that Joshua uh, had this rule to keep them from talking completely during this process? Uh, have you ever met people? People are awful. And when they don't see progress happening... And it doesn't seem like they're winning immediately. They cry and complain and whine and they say, we can't ever do it. We'll never get there. This is the worst. Blah, blah, blah. And, they st and it starts spreading like cancer all over the place. Your mouth is your worst enemy. You might be in a place right now where you need to tell yourself to shut up. 
Are you always saying that kind of stuff? Like, oh, it's never going to work. And I, I tell myself, I'm, you got to shut up. Like, you have got to shut up and keep marching. You need to shut up and keep trusting. You need to shut up and keep praying. You need to shut up and keep loving. Shut up and keep forgiving people. Shut up and keep showing up. Shut up. Interesting that God told Joshua this process would take seven days. Joshua never told the people how long they'd be marching. He never told his, his people. As far as they knew, they were just in a marching band now. And so it's got to be frustrating when you are doing the right thing, you're trying to do the right thing, you're doing what you've been told, uh, you're, you're doing what you know to be the thing, that you, but there's no end in sight. It's way easier to persevere when you know how long it is until you get the prize. Like, maybe you're single right now, and you're... you're your deepest desire is that you would have a spouse someday and you had that if you stay pure for two years at the end of that two years open up door number three it's a hottie with a body <laughs> like so many people would be able to be like two years I got it I got this Some of you have a spouse right now who is depressed and you're trying to figure out how do, how do I endure their depression? How do I endure their stuff that they have going on? It'd be way easier if you had this, uh, we will heal all of your broken marriage and this on Christmas Eve. <laughs> You'd be like, oh, I got it. I can last that long. You can take the pain when you know that there's going to be a payoff. The thing is, God often does something in you before he does something for you. A lot of times the way that he does it, he does something in you before he does something for you. And it might be closer than you think. If you are in a place where you're wanting to give up right now, it might be closer than you think. So you might be tempted to quit whatever it is right now. You might be wanting to quit your marriage, your relationship. You might be wanting to quit your family, quit your job, quit your ministry, quit your sobriety. If you're tempted to quit, I would challenge you to remember why you started. Remember why you started. If you're thinking about throwing in the towel... Pick it up and wipe the sweat off your face with it instead of throwing it in. There's a, a lady named Florence Chadwick that is just, uh, this story just always gets me. Florence Chadwick was the first woman to swim the English Channel both ways. Um, I think we have a photo of her coming out. Um, she was incredible, uh, long-distance swimmer, just the bravest, boldest, crazy woman in the world. In 1952, uh, Florence decided that she was going to attempt a 26-mile swim. 
between the California coastline and Catalina Island. It was 26 miles, and uh, she started swimming, and she swam for 15 hours. 15 hours into her swim, uh, there was a thick fog that rolled across the water where she couldn't see anything. It clouded her vision, and unfortunately, it clouded all of her confidence. And eventually, she found herself exhausted, and she was discouraged, and she couldn't see, and she wasn't sure where the end was, and she gave up, and she quit, and she died, and she drowned. And the shore was less than half a mile away from her. It was less than half a mile from her, but she had no idea how far she was. She had no idea if it was coming up soon. And I just guarantee if she, if she had any, any idea of how close it was that she would have made it, you might be in a place right now where you feel like you're not going to make it. I want to tell you, you might be closer than you think. You just might be closer than you think. Hebrews 10 says you need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. You may have been walking. You may have been praying. You might have been fighting all this time. You might have been believing. And you might have been on lap one or lap two or lap three. Some of you are on lap six right now around Jericho. And you don't know it yet. That the seventh one is the charm. And you might be about to give up on God. You might be about to give up on marriage, kids, ministry, work, school, dreams, love. And you are on lap six. Don't stop on six. There's a good chance you are closer than you think you are. If you're ready to quit, remember why you started. If you're ready to throw in the towel, don't throw it. Wipe your face off and fight. Galatians 6, close with this. It says, let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we don't give up. Let's pray. God, I pray for anyone in this room right now who's in that place. My heart has been broken for them. Just that they would be reminded that you speak a different kind of language and that you give these past tense sayings before present tense us has experienced them yet. And so any promise that has happened already, that we would know that your timing is perfect, that we would be reminded that um, we have a limited perspective 
and that we might be closer than we think, that it could be that we're on lap six right now, and that the walls are getting ready to drop. So I pray that you would make us a people who persevere, and you would make us strong and courageous. You would let us not give up when we got less than half a mile to go before we see the shore. And you would put a spirit inside of us that screams fight. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for your perfect timing. We trust you. We love you. We give our heart to you. We pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you guys. If you would like prayer for anything at all, we'll have some prayer team people over here who'd love to pray for you. I look forward to seeing you soon. Have a good week. For more information about Vineyard Westside, please visit vineyardwestside.com.